Hey everyone, and welcome back to the First Act Podcast. On today's episode, the tables have turned, and our very own marketing coordinator, Erica Bell, interviews me. In these smaller episodes, I'm going to be sharing things like advice, experience, and my path in entertainment, why I started the podcast, and a bunch of other fun stories. I hope you enjoy. And now, hosted by Harry G, this is your one-stop shop for hot talk straight from the top. Whether you're trying to build a job in pop, rock, or any other artsy schlock, here's your top dog with info that can't be bought, it's gotta be sought. So sit back, crack a six-pack, cause we're about to chit-chat and rip facts. It's the First Act Podcast. The whole point of an internship is not to get a name on your resume. The whole point of an internship is to learn. It's, mm-hmm. it's to learn First and foremost, just understand more about the industry that you want to work in. And maybe you'll actually learn that you don't want to work in that industry. You're also going to do things that you're going to learn that you don't want to do. Like for me, like a lot of like contract work was not very interesting to me. And at the time I was thinking about instead of being an accountant, I was thinking about being a lawyer. Mm. And, you know, the more that you delve into different roles, the more you understand what you like and what you don't like. Um, You also learn that like I said before, some people won't take it as seriously as you. You'll you'll bump into managers that you see they're just not doing things the right way. And you got to trust mm-hmm. your gut because, mm-hmm. you know, don't just blindly follow everyone. If you think something should be done in, in a different way, share your opinion. Share why. Because I would do that all the time. And they really valued me because of it, which mm-hmm. is why I, like, I very quickly went from like intern to like A&R. Um, and so I would go to shows and I would get to mingle with the band and I had to create, come up with creative ways to get to know the bands. So mm-hmm. I would go up and I'd say, wow, that was a really cool guitar solo. I have a yeah. guitar. What kind of guitar is that? And, you know, I would start talking totally. about music. Yeah. And then I would say, hey, like, do you mind if I help you load your gear into your truck? Like, I'd be more than happy to help. You guys are probably tired. You probably want to go get some water. Or I would bring them water with ice in it from the bar because that costs nothing. Right. It didn't cost me anything and they loved it. And so they're like, what's your name again? And anyway, so I'd load, I'd help them load up their truck or their van with their gear. And then they'd hang around in the venue for a little bit. And like, I had like pre-rolled joints and I brought them to the shows and mm-hmm. I would just give them to the band members, give them to the manager. And then they were yeah. like, they, they wanted to hang out with me. So it's just like, yeah. or, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd bring a lighter with me. Is this when you were still an intern before A and R? Is this right when you started A and R? This was like this was like intern to become A and R. Okay, okay. Because I got to know the band, and that's a good question. So mm-hmm. I got to know the band, and I got to know their manager, and my boss was there that night as like managing director of this label, and I ended up getting, I, I ended up introducing him to this band, oh, and like I their see. manager, and so like I'm still in touch with this band actually. It's and it's kind of cool, like how you know these relationships last for years and you know you do this over and over and over again and obviously mm-hmm. it's it's not it's not like formulaic but you just have an energy about you that you just want to help people and you just want to learn like that's mm-hmm. the whole point of an internship and as you start to grow in this industry people catch on to that and and that's where it goes from just kind of being a plateau or like a straight line up you know like like a little bit with like a curve and then it is, it kind of jumps up. So mm-hmm. at this point now, I had experience working at a festival. Mm-hmm. I had experience as an intern, and then I got promoted to A&R mm-hmm. in a foreign country. So then I come back to Canada, and people thought that was interesting. Mm-hmm. And then I start organizing my own hip-hop shows. 
And you start, because I learned that in the UK, how they organized their shows and how they would record artists and promote artists. And maybe I didn't have that big of a budget to pay artists. Mm-hmm. I would promote shows at like a hundred cap venue, like really small stuff. Yeah. But I, I want to pack that venue. My goal mm-hmm. was not book a 1500 capacity venue. No, yeah. My goal was pack 90 people into a room, you know, yeah. like, yeah. And I would make a little bit of money. I would get, I would, I would negotiate with, with the venues like tooth and nail fight with them. I want a hundred percent of the door. I want 30% of the bar and you're not going to get it, but you make all these promises and you try to hold your end of the bargain. Yeah. That just seems like such a scary thing to do. Like when, when was your first show? Like, did you have to kind of fake it till you make it? Like, how did you even find these artists and how did you get the word out that this was happening? So again, I guess like this, this doesn't necessarily apply right now, this moment in COVID, right? Mm-hmm. But so we're talking like 2015. I had a friend who run, who would run a studio in Montreal. Um, mm-hmm. And he was like really establishing a name for himself. He's a hip hop artist himself. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to promote his music because I thought that he's a friend of mine and I was like his manager, right? Mm-hmm. Like unofficial, but I was really just a friend who really liked his music and yeah. wanted to see his career flourish. But he was also a recording engineer. And so he had access to dozens, if not over a hundred hip hop artists locally. And he knew which ones sounded good and which ones had a bit of a following, which ones didn't. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of went off of his word and mm-hmm. I was like, hey, like, I will hire one of your sound engineers to run the show and I will give you a headlining spot and you just have to help me sell some tickets. Um, I found a, a great venue. I want to organize. Like, I, I went to the venue early. It was a bar and I had the artists help me move all the tables and stuff. And so we set it up. So like it was more of like a dance floor. Yeah. It was cool. And like the regulars at this bar were like old men who would just like go and like gamble on like the, there, there were like slot machines. Yeah. Oh it was my a very gosh. weird vibe, but it was a lot of fun. And yeah. so I was terrified. I was terrified. Mm. I didn't know about selling tickets online. Didn't know that at all. I would printed all my tickets and I handed them out to the artists and I said, try to sell some tickets and bring your friends. And, you know, um, most of it was walk up door sales, which was very lucky. Mm-hmm. Uh, we ended up selling 135 tickets at the first show and the capacity was uh, 90 or 100. So we were over- wow. oversold. What we did was we opened up, we had the, they had these windows we could open up onto the street. And so I would kind of like let people like go back and forth. And it was, um, wow. it was very scary because I had to pay some of the artists. I, I had to find, um, I, I, I told myself I'm going to find PR and, you know, uh, I'm going to get industry folks to come to the event because I'm like, I can do that. I can use my, you know, my, my charm. I could use my experience working at a, at a UK record label to mm-hmm. say, Hey, like I've, I've cultivated this talent. I put together this show. I think that you guys would really like to see these artists. And I had, like I said, I, I had like a blog come and take pictures and interview the artists. And I don't even know wow. if the blog exists, but it made it a different vibe than just come see a show watch them perform, the artists perform, and they go home. I let them set up like little merch booths in the back. And it was a really cool experience. And the people that actually came out, like I had my own little guest list so my friends could come to. And the people that came out, like friends of friends or friends of the artists or anything like that, people came and they were they were very interested in what was going on. It was just a cool vibe. Um, and so I did it again, but with comedy. Um, and then 
through that, people would hire me to organize their own events. So I became a bit of like an event planner and I got to know more artists and, you know, you get more experience as you do this and you just meet more people because you create this whole thing. And even Mm -hmm. though you're not the talent, you're just the person behind the scenes who has the potential to make more things um, happen, more events like this happen. Yeah, it it seems like mind boggling to me that that was like your first event and you had organized all these different moving pieces. And it was, it seems to be quite a success. Like that goes to show, you know, I don't think everyone can do that. So I think that's a pretty cool thing that you're able to put together. Um, How much time did it take for you to prepare like this event? Would you say? Um, It's weird. I didn't really, I didn't see it as a chore. So I didn't really think of the time. It was, it was exciting. It was really scary. Mm-hmm. I had like other things going on at the same time where I was like teaching guitar lessons and teaching swimming lessons. So I had like a little bit of money, but I took whatever money I had and I put it into this show. And I remember I didn't have enough money to go get a haircut before the show. <laughs> that, I, I remember that. And I had to ask my mom if she could lend me like 25 bucks. Yeah. And I didn't, so I didn't you- want to tell her I had no money in my bank account. <laughs> so you were, you were sliding by, you know? Yeah. It but was- I, expe- I expected to make money on the show. And I think I made like, I don't know, maybe 1500 bucks, which at the time was a lot of money because I was in my early 20s. And yeah, totally. And it was cash. And, you know, yeah, I got I got to pay the bands a little bit. And mm-hmm. it, it was very cool. Um, but it, but you have to plan it in advance. That's mm-hmm. the, I think that's the main key. You were asking me how long it, t- it took. I don't think it was that hard for me to do it all. Because I gave myself enough time, like I probably mm-hmm. started booking in like, March started or started thinking about this. And then I had to find a venue. I had to lock down the date because venues can sometimes be really shady mm. and just like remove the date from you. Oh yeah. A bigger act came along or a bigger promoter that we actually like and know have a relationship with, and they'll just give away your date and that will screw up everything. So, and you have to find the talent, you have to find decent talent. You have to vet them. You have to like, try to promote the show because I didn't know how to run Facebook ads. So I had to do everything like word of mouth and, you know, like you just, yeah, it's seamless <laughs> because you have to like post all over and being like, Hey everyone, like I'm hosting a hip hop show. And like, it's weird to be like, it's $12. And you know, um, there's, it's a, there's a bar and there's these artists that you've never heard of before, but it's going to be great. Like, you know, you have to be very careful about like what you share on social media, because I feel like if, if I were on the receiving side of it, I probably wouldn't want to read a lot of this. If it's just like, come buy tickets to this thing. And, you know, it just seems very silly. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it worked out. It, it worked out. It did. It did. Long story. Long story short, it took a lot of time. It was very scary, but it was successful, right? So how did you, how did you go from event planning to the next, the next phase of your career? Um, so while I was doing that, I was, like I said, I was, I was working with a few different artists. One was a musical comedian. One was a hip hop artist. And through organizing these events, um, I actually ended up managing quite a successful Canadian um, comedian named Derek Sagan. Mm-hmm. It was very short lived. Like it wasn't like I was man. I, I did not build his career. I just happened yeah. to be his manager and help negotiate some deals for him for some of his touring and helped him with some shows and with like social media, but like he's, he was already quite an established act. Um, that was luck. So I, so I had a lot of these things going on at this point. And now if you look at my resume, it was a little bit more than just like went to university and was teaching swimming lessons. So 
I had a little bit more experience and I still took um, an unpaid internship in licensing, sync Mm -hmm. licensing at a publishing house. Hated that. Uh, The people were very sweet. None of them came to my show. I was a little bitter about that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But they they were like, they were nice people. I just don't think licensing people don't go to shows. (laughs) <laughs> yeah they, they just they, they'd rather just listen to music and like yeah. if they, and they, they would organize their own shows sometimes their own little events but it would just like the, again they were really sweet people and i really appreciated the opportunity but i just at the time i, w- I remember being very sensitive about it um because I, every day when i'd go into the office i would introduce myself to everyone and i'd say hi how are you like how is your evening how you know any plans yeah. this weekend and i would try to get to know everyone but it just wasn't the vibe Mm. Um, <laughs> I've been there, yeah. Yeah, you know, and so I it kept, wasn't the vibe. <laughs> yeah, I had a friend in LA actually who mm-hmm. was from Montreal, and I said, "How do you?" I said, "I want to get an internship, but in the states." I said, "If I'm going to mm-hmm. take an unpaid internship in the states and I'm going to move," I said, "How can I make sure that I intern at a company so well that they're going to want to hire me?" Mm-hmm. I said, "How can I make an internship more valuable?" And that was the question mm-hmm. that I asked that person out in LA who worked in film um, mm-hmm. that I told you I made the connection through swimming. Yeah. Yeah. And then I had another, another guy um, who I went to summer camp with, who was my brother's friend or my brother's age, who I kind of knew from camp. I just wrote him on Facebook cause we were Facebook friends. And I was like, Hey, I see that you're in LA. Like, what do you do? Can we chat on the phone? And mm-hmm. he was, I, you know, he, he knew who I was. So he was like, sure, sure. Um, and then he actually went to law school, didn't write, the bar and just went and was an assistant in film and TV and got hired by a Canadian company in Los Angeles. And, you know, everyone has their own story and their own connections. And he's still there. I think, Mm -hmm. um, haven't spoken to him in a little while, but he was like, you need to, he said, no one is going to trust you at an internship until you prove yourself until you can Mm -hmm. show them that you're trustworthy. And he's like, but it's like kind of like a chicken and egg situation. It's, it's sort of like, you know, you can't get an internship, if you have no experience. And so if you have no experience, how are you going to get that? Inter- how are you going to get the experience? It's the struggle as old as time right now, yeah. especially for our university students. Yeah. So if you're lucky enough to get an internship, like, you know, you kind of have to like get little piecemeal experience like I did, you know, like organize <laughs> your own shows and, you know, volunteer at a festival and, you know, just don't take no for an answer. And even if they don't want volunteers, show up, <laughs> just, just show up and bug people because they're going to be <laughs> yeah. stressed. They're going to be stressed. Hey, can I get you lunch? You know? Yeah. I just want to put it on my resume that I was here, that I was helping out. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Talk to the guy in LA, right? Talk and to what, him. what do you say? What do you say about, about being a successful intern? He said, no one's going to give you work until you show that you can work. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I ended up getting, so I applied to like a million jobs in New York because my girlfriend at the time got into law school there and I wanted to keep the relationship alive. Mm-hmm. Um, so I moved to New York, but mm-hmm. I needed I needed a job that was willing to sign off on paperwork. This is where things got a little complicated that most of you guys probably won't have to experience mm-hmm. in the same way, but you'll have your own little hurdles, I'm sure, mm-hmm. like whether it's financial or, um, you know, moving or whatever it is. Um, for me, I, I was actually making decent money organizing shows and you know, managing a few acts, which didn't pay that much, but I was teaching and doing some other Mm -hmm. stuff on the side. So I was able to save up enough money that I knew that when I took an unpaid internship, I can take like 10 grand Mm -hmm. and I can, I can invest it and not have to work full time. I I mean, I could take a full time unpaid job. And 
So I applied to like a million jobs in New York and two of them got back to me. One of them required me to speak Greek. I didn't speak Greek. Wow. <laughs> um, they really liked me, but they didn't speak Greek. So it didn't work. <laughs> Book, and the other? Acts. And the other one was Crush Music, which okay. and, which uh, they're the management company for like Panic at the Disco and Fall Out Boy. And now they've signed Lord and Sia and Green Day. Damn. It, like, yeah. I did not expect to get this job. I was like, I can't, I, I thought it was a joke that they were writing me back. Yeah. And I hit it off with, it was, it was a virtual interview just like this. Mm -hmm. I was sitting in this exact spot mm -hmm. and, um, and they ended up actually offering me the job. They said, do you know that this is full-time unpaid? And I said, mm -hmm. yeah. And they said, but, and you would be willing to move from Canada to the U S to do this. And I was like, mm -hmm. yeah, I would. And they're like, okay. I'm like, but you know that I'm Canadian. You'd have to sign off on a paper that says, yeah. I'm your intern. They said, fine, sure. Tell us what mm -hmm. to do, but we're not paying mm -hmm. for you. I said, okay. Yeah. So part of my budget was sectioned off for paying legal fees and having to find a company in Seattle that was willing to say that this was a traineeship so that I was able to go to the States. And it was, it was a little complicated and you don't want to ask too much from a company that's going to, that's going to be, you know, a, a credible company that could just hire another intern. That's not a headache. Yeah. It's a very fine line to balance. How old were you at this point? 22, maybe 23. Okay. Like fresh grad. Like I had yeah. just graduated six months prior. Oh, damn. Okay. And then I didn't hear back from them for a few weeks. And I just assumed that I didn't get it. And then I think it was like November 2015. I got an email saying like, okay, you, you can start January 4th, 2016. You'll be here, right? And I was like, yep. Quit all of my jobs. Wow. Like, like that. <laughs> yeah <laughs> and started started planning told my family hey like i'm moving to new york in six weeks and wow yeah they were shocked they didn't believe it hey everyone just wanted to check back in and shout all of you out who are taking the time to check out the podcast especially those of you who have been sharing it with your friends and writing me such nice messages on apple podcasts instagram twitter facebook and linkedin if you or someone you know has an awesome story that you think should be shared with the world, feel free to write me directly on any of our socials at The First Act Podcast. Until then, stay safe.